Un- hey, it's the Billy Tide Podcast coming to you today from Austin, Texas, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Des Moines, Iowa, and Kuwait City, Kuwait. This is certainly the first time we've ever done this uh, with so many states and our first international podcast. So that's a, a great feat for us today. Uh, today, Joining us is Dave Medema in Sioux Falls. He is the co-founder of New Over. Reminder, you can find us on iTunes, uh, BillyTie.com, and on Instagram at BillyTie. I always like to tell the listeners what the Billy Tie pick of the podcast is. And this one is Ray Gun Shirts. Uh, you can check out the iHeart Sioux York shirt. I interviewed Mike Draper, the owner, uh, probably a few years ago. I can't remember the episode off the top of my head. But uh, I hit him up about two weeks ago and wanted to see if he'd make this Sioux York shirt. And he's giving, I think, 30 to 35% to the uh, One Sioux Falls Fund of, uh, of the sales. So that's pretty cool right there. Go ahead and check that out, Ray Gun's site. Um, let's go ahead and get started. Dave, welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And then I guess we got to bring in uh, co-hosts, Gareth uh, and Brett. How are you fellas doing? And Nora in the background, the, the dog. Yeah, doing well. Good morning, Billy. Yeah, good, good. Ple- pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be included. Doing well. Thanks, man. Been a huge yeah. fan for so long. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we appreciate your, your listenership. Uh, and we appreciate Zoom for bringing us all together. Um, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Dave, uh, I, I know you, Dave, through both of these guys. Uh, let's talk about um, you know, where you grew up to your career journey so far and kind of everything in between. Sure, yeah. Well, I grew up, uh, I'm kind of a lifer, but I grew up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And, uh, you know, where, where you and Brett are also from. But um, I actually went, uh, uh, I actually went to college and university here as well at Augustana. And so uh, outside of a brief hiatus up in the Twin Cities for about 10 months, maybe a year, um, moved back here to Sioux Falls and have been here and, and raising my family ever since. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how, that's kind of where I've gone. And then, um, at Augustana University, I had a couple of majors. I had a computer science major and a business administration major. Um, so the, the career journey sort of started there. And then uh, immediately after, college, I entered a uh, sort of an intensive sales training program. And that's what took me up to the Twin Cities for uh, about a year. Uh, Moved back to Sioux Falls and did the sales thing for a couple of years, kind of cut my teeth and grew in that area. Uh, And in the meantime, sort of started developing what would be with uh, my wife, Cassie, what would be sort of the start of new over and and starting down that path and that journey and um and that's where we are still today nice nice uh can you tell us a little bit about what what y'all do sure yeah so you know we've we've evolved over the years uh i I think in in you know in in really solid ways but i would say to to condense it as much as possible we uh we design and develop uh apps and websites uh between cassie and i and then, you know, Cassie, uh, from a creative standpoint, anything that comes out of new over uh, aesthetically, uh, Cassie has her hands on. Uh, so she actually does a lot of branding, a lot of other uh, creative endeavors sort of in that space. And then anything sort of business development wise, technology wise, uh, consulting wise kind of lands on my plate. So we sort of split those duties, but then, you know, a lot of our projects have overlap 
uh, you know, from a design and development standpoint. And, and over the years, we've, we've changed sort of uh, uh, the types of projects that we do. You know, it started out very small websites, um, smaller projects. Now we do larger bespoke apps, native applications, um, APIs, uh, branding projects and things like that. But, you know, for the most part, you know, we try to stay in our lane and, and, and keep things within the design and development um, uh, silos. So, yeah. Okay. And I would guess to think, you know, technology, it changes so fast, seeing how it, you know, you've been in the game now roughly, I think you said a decade with, with what you're doing and the shifts and the, and the changes that's, that's happened over that. Uh, what is it like always having to kind of be on, on your game, knowing that, Hey, this is happening right now, but it may not be the normal here in a few years. What's that like to always having to be on the up and up with technology? Is that stressful or? No, you know, it's actually kind of refreshing. Like, you know, the things I'm doing, you know, the things I've done in the last 18 months are completely different than the things I did in the 18 months before that, which I think sort of, I, I, well, I know keep things fresh and um, keep things sort of enjoyable, especially for somebody that tends to be a little bit more analytical, likes learning new things. Um, so I think it's a really good space. It's a really, it's a really fun, exciting space. You know, I mean, if, if you're looking to just sort of coast and, you know, sort of run on the same thing for a while, it's not a great space to be in right now. Um, but it's exciting. You know, I, I like the change. Um, and I kind of hope it keeps evolving and changing, to be honest. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, the only constant is change in technology. That's for sure. Right. Uh, Gareth, you want to talk a little bit about the, the clientele? Yeah, for sure. And I, <clears throat> I kind of almost know the answer to this at this point, just out of being friends for many years. So it's, it's two part. One is, you know, how, how do you go about getting clientele now? But I think a lot of that has been word of mouth because you provide good products. And so I'd, I'd like you to explain that process, but almost more importantly, the, the fear of starting a new business when you and your wife were first striking out and uh, how did the juxtaposition between what it's like to get clients now versus when you guys were first just cutting your teeth and looking for those first couple of clients. Yeah. Well, the startup thing, I think is a, it's a really fun story to look back on, right? Because I think we had, we had, we had an advantage of when we started new over because we were so young and we didn't have a lot of strings attached. I mean, I have, I have a lot of respect. I mean, I have a lot of respect for anybody that starts a business, but specifically somebody that starts a business just a little bit later in their life, you know, when they have a mortgage or they have kids or they have some other needs that they have to fill on a consistent basis. Um, but when Cassie and I started new over, you know, we, we did have a house that we didn't have any kids at the time. And so we could still run lean. I mean, we're, you know, we could still eat ramen noodles from college and, and easy Mac if we needed to. And so we had that advantage of, of being able to be incredibly lean and, and those months where you're starting out, you just don't have a lot of stuff coming in. Like we were kind of fine with that. Um, but looking back on those times, like I imagine doing that now today and it, it's so scary and frightening that I, I don't think I would, I don't think I would have probably done it. Um, so <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I think the advantage of starting a little younger really helped us. Um, and then, you know, from a client standpoint, it's interesting because I, 
you know, I mentioned earlier that for about two and a half, three years, I, I did the sales thing and I was very trained and very motivated to, you know, make calls and to reach out to people and say, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's why you need to use our service. Like it's just, it was sort of the training. It was sort of the process. And then when we started new over, I remember like, so we, we put our services together and then we put this email list together, probably 40 emails that we were going to send out personally and say, Hey, here's what we're doing. We'd love for you to contact us. And we got like four responses from those emails and I haven't made a sales call since <laughs> it was over. That was over 10 years ago. I mean, that just sort of parlayed into, all right, so this, this went well, let's do this next project or, you know, referral basis from over here. And so it's just been a very organic, very fluid process, which again, I'm very, I'm very fortunate that's been the case. But. Awesome. And uh, Hey, Brett, you want to talk a little bit about the current uh, COVID um, state that we're in right now and, and how that's maybe affected things? Yeah. Well, I just kind of curious how it's affected Dave, you like your life at home and, and life at work. I guess those things kind of go together now. I know you guys have some experience in that too. So maybe just how is it affecting you um, at work and at home? Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think we're struggling with what just about everybody else is struggling with. And that is, it, you know, our, our, our setup from home has always been really strong. You know, we have good spaces here. We have spaces where we can get work done. Uh, it's tailor-made to how we typically work. So, so those, that, that hasn't changed too much for us. But I think we're struggling with what everybody else is sort of struggling with, and that is trying to figure out how to be um, productive with kids and other things to deal with throughout the day. I mean, it used to be used to be like, uh, hopefully it'll be that way again, but you know, you could drop the kids off at school at 7:45, and then you'd have this seven to eight hour block of time to get, to get stuff done, to get work done at home. Um, whereas now you have to, I mean, you don't have any choice, but you have to take breaks consistently throughout the day to help kids, you know, get on their e-learning platforms, answer questions, solve basic math problems that you completely forgot how to do <laughs> uh, or never knew how to do. <laughs> or never knew how to do. I'll speak for myself. Math? Why did they change math? <laughs> you know, and so like, I, I think just trying to figure out how to be productive in I think shorter spurts has, has definitely been a learning curve, but something we're slowly figuring out. But that's been the, I think that's been the biggest change for us is just, uh, adjusting our productive times yeah. and our uh, productive groups um, to, to, to meet the demands of our kids being around the entire time. Well, I teach elementary school math. So if you ever need help, just give me a call. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> He's one zoom away. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So one uh, quick uh, non-business related thing that kind of a score to settle here, but Rhett played uh, basketball in high school with Dave and Gareth played with Dave in college. Um, Brett, would you be able to to tell us who is a better shooter out of Gareth and David? No, I'd like to hear. I mean, I kind of want to hear what their their thoughts on it too. Um, I don't know if I can give a definitive answer in that because it's different lifetimes. I feel like when I knew Dave and when I knew Gareth the Bath Bastor spent time with them. Let's go in prime in the prime. So, <laughs> yeah. 
just my background as I grew up with Dave, we went to high school together. I played on the basketball team. I was um, maybe comparable to Bushler in the last dance. <laughs> I do think I played harder. I played more like Rodman, but I set picks and I played hard practice with Dave in high school. Dave was very good. I think he might have been South Dakota Player of the Year. He was definitely a nominee. I don't remember. I should know that. Um, but he was a pure shooter and a very good player. Okay, yada, yada, yada. I go to um, – I start caddying the Champions Tour, so I'm traveling all over the place. I finally decide after five years I want to settle down. So I moved to Austin, Texas. So this is quite a bit time away from high school basketball. And I know, you know, I don't, I didn't think about it as much as maybe some people do, but I kind of lost the track of mind of, you know, Dave as a shooter. I knew him as a friend more as a you know, father and a husband as he's getting older. And then I'm in Austin, Texas, about three more years goes by. So we're maybe eight or 10 years reserve or out of high school. And Dave comes into town and stays with me. He's like, Hey, this my buddy Gareth's going to come over. And I'm like, I think I remember Gareth from college. Was he the one with the ZZ Top beard and the tie-dye shirt <laughs> we played disc golf with? And he's like, yeah, that's the guy. So I'm like, hey. okay. So Gareth comes over. We have dinner. And I'm like, oh, this I've got a Y-ball team going. And, you know, we're okay, but we definitely need better players. So I'm like, oh, Gareth, do you want to come play with us? And um, so Gareth comes and plays a couple seasons, I think, at this point. And Dave and I, Dave and I talk, but we don't talk all the time, but I feel like we're best, you know, we're best buddies no matter if I haven't talked to him for a while, but randomly we called and caught up and I'm like, man, Dave, like this Gareth, like he is after like a five or six, three half, you know, I'm like, he is the best shooter, pure shooter I think I've ever played with. And I didn't, you know, think about what was going on at this time. And Dave kind of paused, it was an awkward pause for quite a quite a while and I'm like well I mean I don't know well, that was a different time I you know this was different and I you know it didn't cross my mind at the time and I was like that is such a great question um but I also didn't play with Dave in his prime except for one random adult league where I set picks for him and rebounded so I think it's hard for me to to answer that question um maybe they so can after all that we I don't even like, get an answer could we do a zoom, maybe a zoom outdoor um video going where we give them each game you know, a horse game yeah. a horse oh, and the, well, i would i would prefer a three-point contest over horse because i think that would just declare the pure shooters but maybe you do you guys have any um any competitions you've had between each other or anything well, well it, i'd like to offer my insight and i'd like to <laughs> please do i think uh Dave was like uh, mechanically perfect. Um, his 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 form, his setup. I'd say we were almost e equal in, in skill skill. Like from set shots, from uh, it would be a tie ball game. If not, I, I might even give him the sl the slight nod. If we were going like five spots, twenty five shots, I'd say he might be me by like a quarter or a half of a shot out of twenty five. But my advantage was that I grew up with two older brothers. And I couldn't, I, I had to learn a super quick release. So my advantage as a shooter is that I needed like a quarter inch of space to get my shot off. Whereas I think Dave, Dave might've needed a little bit more room or his ability you know, to get a big screen to get open. But I'd say almost equivalent in skill, skill level as far as like percentage wise, pure shot. We both had it. I, I, did, I just had certain advantages in that. And he had certain advantages in other components. I couldn't play anywhere inside of 15 feet Whereas he had a post game and he, you know, he had smart inside knowledge as well. But that's my two cents. What do you think, David? 
No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I guess it was almost identical to what I was going to say. And I just never, I never really had to shoot off of the dribble much or, you know, create my own shot. And so that's just something I never got very good at. Um, and it's something that I was always very jealous of you being able to either create and or shoot on the move. Um, again, I think probably set shot, you know, all things still, I, I think I might have you, but um, anything on the move or if you need to get a shot off over somebody, um, I think it'd be a bloodbath for Gareth. <laughs> who, um, <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, Gareth, who is Dave's NBA comparison? And Dave, who is Gareth's NBA comparison? Oh, I like that. Uh, you go first, Dave. Give me a moment here. Yeah, Present uh, day or past, it doesn't matter. I think Whatever. I need a moment, too. Yeah. Um, Gareth would of... be. Oh, gosh. I, I, I need a moment on this, too, I think. I'm, I think Gareth, I think a Ray Allen. I'm just going to chime in. I, I mean, it's clearly not as good, but yes, I could. <laughs> from, this, from this standpoint, I said how I had two older brothers. Let me clarify. Uh, I'm, I'm, they're, they're four and five years older than me, and they're both an inch taller than me, and I'm six five. So when I was, when I was a, in eighth grade, they were a, a senior in high school and a freshman in college. I just had to develop this ridiculous turn and shoot flying in backwards through the air in order to be able to get the shot off without getting blocked. So yeah, not as good as Ray Allen. Ray Allen's shot is as pretty as it gets though. Kind yeah, I was gonna say, that's about as good of a comp as you can get. I do appreciate that, uh, yes, for sure. I don't know, that's a good question about Dave. Uh, who, who's that left-handed awesome dude for the Jazz? Um, six foot six Joe Ingles? Yes, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I think that's a good one. I think, and Dave had more of a defense to him too, I would say too, especially with like a bigger guy. He could, he could defend a little bit more with some more poundage. That Dave, was, are you a lefty? No, I'm not. You're not? But okay. I, I, I like that. I mean, that guy, uh, Ingles just makes his career off of trail threes, which I tell you, was my thing too. I love that. What was He's your a plane? super funny dude. Ingles, I've seen, I heard him on JJ Reddick's podcast. Uh, highly recommend. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Uh, uh, David, what did you play at? I bet you I played at in high school maybe one one sixty five, and in college maybe like one seventy three, one seventy five. Yeah, I, I played at about two twenty five, which like which is interesting because like the last you know I I went through a coaching change or whatever, but the last two years of my playing career. I played the four almost exclusively, which was interesting because, you know, Gareth and I both kind of came in as wings. That's true. Right. And we played the, we played the yeah. two. Yeah. We played the twos and the threes and it was a little bit lighter, but my last two years I played the four almost exclusively, which, oh, that's really interesting. which was actually a, a way better. I was probably an inch or two, too short to be great at it, but it was, it was a way better positional fit for me as a four. What, uh, what was your weight in high school, Dave? Oh, one, probably 185. Yeah, so 40 pounds. Yeah, see, Dave, Dave went to the weight room. Uh, I, you I walked by it. <laughs> I did. That's funny. I was banned. I was told we're, we're streaming live. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I, <laughs> nice, shirt, nice shirt there, Brett. Um, I, 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 will, I will say, much like Dave mentioned, uh, 
you need to take a uh, break during the workday. Uh, I think it was uh, important that we took a little break there from serious business talk to talk about um, three pointers. So I appreciate you guys chiming, chiming in on that. Um, Brett, I like that. I love uh, I heart Sioux York shirt you got on there. Um, and uh, I was gonna say, Dave, speaking of Sioux Falls, um, you know, I grew up there, Brett's from there. How important has the community been uh, in having a business there um, and the support that you get there? Because it's such a great fostering community. Can you talk a little bit about how that's been uh, kind of played a role in your business? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, 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 I think it's an interesting question, an interesting thing to think about because I, I think it's hard to draw a direct correlation to the success of our business, you know, financially from Sioux Falls, because I mean, we certainly have, we certainly have clients and local agencies and, and work that we do here locally. Um, but it's not, you know, by all means, it's not an overwhelming percentage of stuff that we do locally. But I will say, I will say from a community standpoint, it has been second to none just in the support of everything else that we need to be successful, right? So like, the fact that the fact that our commute to drop the kids off at school is about four minutes. I mean, is, you know, makes all the difference in the world. I mean, that means we get to work faster. That means we can work a little bit longer, you know, before we have to go pick them up. Um, the fact that, you know, we can get to a grocery store in five minutes, you know, and then get in and out, get what we need and get back. And so like, I, just the, the infrastructure, I think around us, from a, from a school, community, retail, you know, internet, housing space, uh, cost of living, I, those things have been absolutely vital, I think, to the success of our business. And you know, the other thing too, is that uh, having a business like ours is we run, we, we tend to run very lean from an expense standpoint, you know, working from home. And so, you know, the fact that we, live in an area with a lower cost of living, right? Essentially our business rent is our mortgage. Um, so I think that just affords us the ability to sort of do what everybody else is doing, whether you're on the West Coast or the East Coast in these more expensive markets, but our, our cost of living is, is significantly less. So it's been, it's been great, um, specifically in the infrastructure and environment. How about the entrepreneurial community in Sioux Falls as a whole? I've seen that, you know, just from a distance, that seems like it's really grown over the past 10, 15 years and they, they foster a lot. Can you talk just a little bit about how, how and why maybe Sioux Falls like has really changed since pretty much we were in high school? I mean, it's gotten just, in my opinion, it's just gotten way better. Not that it wasn't good before, but it's, there's just a lot more going on. Yeah. Well, and I, I think too, a lot of that has to do, I think, with sort of the leadership that has come about in that area. I mean, a handful of folks have sort of risen to the top and, and really started championing, championing a lot of these entrepreneurial causes and fostering a lot of these businesses. And I think, you know, it's just like anything, like when you have talent, um, you know, that's recruiting and helping teach and you have these, these really talented entrepreneurs sort of uh, leading the charge, I think that, um, that helps things exponentially. And so that, I think that's the biggest thing is that the community in Sioux Falls is great and, and really, um, and really strong. But I think, I think the leadership in those areas and the people that have sort of taken up that torch, I think that's where, um, 
I think that's where you see the real advantage in Sioux Falls. I mean, if you need help, you can get help. And that help that you get is going to come from somebody that really knows what they're talking about and genuinely wants to help you and see you succeed. And I think that I don't, I don't know, but I don't think every other community has that and Sioux Falls does. Nice. Nice. What would you, you know, you've been in the entrepreneurial game for a while. What would you recommend um, to those looking at jumping in or who have just jumped in? What are some of the, maybe just the, the, the knowledge you've, you've gathered through experience that you would recommend to, to them to maybe help them expedite their, their journey? Yeah. Well, I, so I've, I've said this before, but um, the first thing I always tell folks that I think want to sort of jump in is to spend some time and think about the worst case scenario first. Right. And, and not to get negative, I think right away, but to, to just ask yourself, if this were to happen, is this something I would be okay with? Because I think that's a, I think that's a very important question to ask yourself right away. And it's something that we asked ourselves right away. But if, you know, for, for example, you know, if I dump half of my savings into this thing and 18 months later, all of those savings are gone and I'm out all of this money, then what? Right. And if you can answer that question say like, look, it's going to be hard, but I'll, I'll get a job. I'll get back on my feet. I'll rebound. I'll find another idea. Like if that's your answer, then I say, go for it. Like then, then if, if you can, if you can take in that worst case scenario and you still want to, you know, go after and start your business, then I think you're in the right place. But if, if you, if you answer that worst case scenario and say like, Oh gosh, no, I can't handle that. Um, or even not even the worst case scenario and be like, I would not be able to handle that. Um, I don't, I don't think it's the right step for you. So that's usually, I mean, that's, that's sort of the first thing I tell folks, I think that want to jump in is just to think about, Think about, you can think about the best case scenario, of course, because you hear a lot of success stories, but also spend some time thinking about the worst case scenario and just to see if it's something that physically, emotionally, financially, and mentally something you can handle. Um, yeah. Some really good advice there. Yeah, I know a lot of people that listen are entrepreneurs or um, aspiring entrepreneurs. So there is no substitute for experience or someone who's been there. Uh, so that's really good uh, call out there, Dave. Appreciate that. Um, where, what's the, what's the website and can we find you on social media at all, Dave? You know, we don't do a lot of social. Um, we, we did at one point, uh, you know, we still, I, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our off week stuff, but you know, we do, we used to do a lot of social with the off week stuff. And then that got, um, um, that start, that started to just get a little bit weird with, with some of the clients and stuff. So we, we've sort of stopped with a lot of the social stuff, but you can find us a little bit more information at newover.com, N-E-W-O-V-E-R.com. Mm -hmm. um, kind of lays things out. It's pretty uh, decluttered, minimal website, but that's kind of how we like it. So. Yeah, I took a look at it. It was really good. Um, that was, that was, uh, that was good to, to get on there and kind of get a better idea of what y'all do. Um, Gareth, Brett, any, any closing questions? Uh, I'd like to go first. I'd just like to rehash one of my favorite memories of, of David from college. Uh, we, he, he keeps talking about them, uh, you know, Dave and Cassie, and she's an amazing wife. And the story of how you got her, so they, they were dating through high school, if I recall. And then you guys decided to split up for the, at least the first part of your freshman year. And then uh, one of my favorite stories, and I prefer you tell it, 
is something along the lines of like changing your contract contacts out of your eyes driving 80 miles per hour down the freeway to make it up to her college to ask like go go ahead if you wouldn't mind just give me the one minute recap yeah well cassie was in a sorority and they were doing one of those data auctions you know to raise money i forget what the fundraiser for but they were going to raise money for something but gareth and i had practice and i forget what time the auction the auction was going to start at like 6 p.m and we always had practice at like 3 p.m right sometimes practice got over in two hours sometimes it got over in four hours if if the coach was livid about something but like we, he never quite knew and so we had another another one of the red shirt freshmen that we uh, are good friends with uh he uh he had a jeep but he also had a really expensive fuzz buster and i'd never used a fuzz buster before <laughs> and so i remember like like the day before i'm like his name was matt i was like matt look i gotta get down to vermilion as fast as possible can I use your, can I take, or it wasn't a Jeep, it was a blazer, right? Can I yeah, take your blazer, blazer. blazer. And can you show me how to use the fuzz buster? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he does that. And we get out of practice late, like, I don't know, the data auction started at like six. So we got out of practice at like 6.15. So I knew I had to get down there quick because she's, she's going to be auctioned off a little bit later. I drove like a hundred <laughs> and I had this fuzz buster thing going on and I kept getting these little false positives, you know? And so you just got to like, I mean, my heart was probably beating at like 150 for the entire trip, but got down there, hit in the back. Uh, a couple of folks in her sorority knew I was coming, um, had somebody else bidding on her, uh, but really it was sort of me and then ended up buying her and buying her, at least bidding on her. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. I, I, I adore that story for sure. She's yeah. an amazing woman for, for those listening at home. In order to make a company and a relationship and a family and all that work, these two together, it's, it's pretty fun to behold. Say hi for me, pretty please. Will do. Yeah, I think uh, just to chime in on that, I think the way that you guys set your boundaries between work and working together is amazing. That's what, I mean, that's always what amazes me. Um, I think I would have a tough time with that where you guys do your, you know, do, you have your both things and you do them and it really um, looks, just makes a great, operational business good stuff good stuff dave any uh parting words i don't think so well so um first of all i appreciate this this was fun um absolutely i, I always feel a little weird talking about myself but uh um again i i appreciate the time and and hopefully um you know hopefully it helps somebody somewhere but uh the, the thing i'll leave you on is that uh, I don't know if you can find it off of our main website, but you know, we've been, Cassie and I have been doing this thing for, I'd have to think about it, you know, maybe eight or nine years called the off week. And we don't, we don't have to get into that too far, but we've sort of championed this approach of, of trying to take more time away from work um, uh, than people do. Uh, Cause I think taking a break is, is incredibly important. And so we started doing this thing called the off week and you know, we've, we haven't given it a lot of love in a while. We still, I mean, we still do it, but if you go to theoffweek.com, you'll, uh, you'll find sort of a introduction about what it is. And then we had a, a really talented uh, video production place here in Sioux Falls. Want to shoot like a three, three and a half minute video about the off week, which turned out really well. And you can watch that there, but I would just, I would encourage people specifically entrepreneurs, but honestly, anybody 
I've encouraged them to watch it and um, try to figure out how to escape and take more time off if possible. I, I got a quick question, Dave, on that. Did that happen right away or did that take time where you guys decided like we need this time off or how did that come about? Yeah, no, honestly, it was, it was pretty organic. We, we were thinking about eight, eight years ago how we could take like a year-long sabbatical. And then, you know, we had uh, our, oldest, our oldest kid was um, uh, probably two at the time. And so we just figured like, look, we can't, we can't take a year-long sabbatical. It just doesn't quite work with daycare and some other work schedules. So we just started to work backwards from there. Like, can we do a six-month? Can we do a three-month? we started to play around with uh, doing these sort of sabbaticals. And then I'm, I, I think it was Cassie, but had an idea of like, like, look, let's do these little mini sabbaticals every single month, right? Let's just take one week off every month. So three weeks on, one week off, and um, just start working that into our routine no matter what. And we're, you know, we're going strong. I'd have to look at the exact start time, but you know, we've been doing it ever since. And it's been incredible, life-changing. Almost uh, load management, if you will, right? In well, that's... <laughs> to give that's another sort of basketball my, reference. <laughs> I, I, have, I actually have a, a sort of a talk about that. And I use load management and some of the analytics about athletes and giving them more time off and rest in, in sort of the off-week conversation. So it's important. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. Hey. I, Real, real quick, if I may, uh, Evan, uh, Dave, Dave's youngest collects money. David, I, I bring in all kinds of currencies. So, oh, that's incredible! Fall into the far east. I've been thinking about him. I, uh, you know, keep it surprise if you want. But I got all. I've been saving stuff for a while for him. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it as a surprise. But absolutely, he's gonna love that. To uh, quote the great Randy Moss, "Straight cash, homie." <laughs> so, no, you're a, no, you're a Packers fan, Gareth, but I know you can still appreciate that. So, um, um, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I'm going to stop this recording here. You fellows stay put for the after show. Uh, but thank you all for listening, Dave. Really appreciate your time. And uh, Gareth and, and, and Brett, appreciate you all as well. We'll talk to you all next time.